there's a sweet spot where stuff is beneficial and then outside of that, it's not. Good morning, happy Monday. I have NeuroCoffee in hand and it is perfect. All right, I think I'm fully recovered from the Thanksgiving holiday. So looking forward uh, to a big week. Quick housekeeping item. Um, getting a lot of foundational questions at the askbillhartman at gmail.com email. Um, truly appreciate that. However, a lot of these questions have already been answered and they are up on the YouTube channel. So if you have not been to the YouTube channel, please go there. That's where all these videos end up anyway. And um, so chances are, if you've got a question, it's already been answered go there. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, then please do so, so you can get notified when the new stuff goes up. All right, digging into today's Q&A, this is with Manuel. Manuel's actually a recent att attendee of the intensive, and we're working on some, some squat issues, especially this front squat, where we were actually improving his ability to expand anterior, posterior, and showing him how it influenced the, the outcome in his technique, which it did improve. And so Manuel came back um, on the recent coffee and coaches conference call with a question about, well, can we do this with another, another activity? And the, the answer is yes but we have to be concerned with, with the influences and then to produce the outcome. So for instance, what we're actually gonna end up talking about here is the seven components of force. The seven components of force right over here, magnitude, location, direction, duration, frequency, variability, and rate. Each one of those has an influence on how we will behave in response to an activity. So let me give you a for instance. So we talk about suitcase carries influencing our ability to recapture relative motions. However, if we increase the magnitude of the load, so, so the, the amount of load increases to such a degree that it actually starts to compress the space around us, we've actually reduced the space where we can capture relative motion. So that may not be the desired outcome under those circumstances. So we always have to consider how these, these seven components of force influence each element of the outcome. So we can't just say that a squat does this or a suitcase carry does this or a press does this. We have to consider the context. And so that's what this discussion is about. I hope it's gonna be useful for a lot of people. Um, remember, go to the YouTube channel and subscribe so you get all these videos and get your foundational questions answered. I will see you all tomorrow. Hey, Bill. Uh, I have a squatting question. All right. Please. So you know how we were working on uh, that that anterior to posterior expansion over the yes, weekend. Sir. Yes, sir. So I was, uh, you know, sometimes I get people who who can't rack the bar the way I do, like with a full grip and whatnot. Understood. So, say what? Understood. Okay. So um, I was thinking about a, a potential workaround. So, and I was wondering if I was correct in in thinking this way. Um, so one of the things I could do with somebody is like take a take a safety bar, like a safety bar squat, the one with the handles that yes sir that come forward. It's like a big yes, pad that yes sir. All right. So because sometimes they can't get their elbows up or get that grip. So at least with a safety bar, they have that they're a little bit more uh, supinated. Yep. Instead of pronated. Yep. Uh, so that can open up the space, but also the the pressure of the bar. It's, it goes over the scapula and the clavicle because the whole thing just sits on you rather than just sit on the front. And I was wondering, does that pressure of the bar, uh, would that, as it pushes you down, would that expand you anterior to posterior? 
would that could that kind of open you up that way just through the force of it and get you to breathe for people who feel really compressed and they they can't even get up here so then i don't know i was thinking if that would be a solution okay if that could work if that okay. would so so the correct answer to this is maybe okay, okay. and then here's the maybe mm. how much load are you applying downward <clears throat> okay depends on the person so it, remember how we were talking about uh, like a suitcase carry, if the weight's too heavy and it's pulling you into a strategy that does not allow you to capture the relative motion like we would use. So like if we're doing a suitcase carry for relative motion, it would be a lighter weight because we want the response of the body, but we don't want to take away the relative motions, right? Mm -hmm. So the same thing's going to happen here with a safety bar squat. Yes, you're putting load there. Yes, it's going to create a downward position, but if the weight's heavy enough, my response will be to push up against it to hold position, okay? Right. So what you're gonna have to observe then is you're gonna have to observe dorsal rostral, posterior lower and sternum, right? To identify whether they're able to capture the expanded representation under that load. Because again, it's like, you know, if you put like, um, you know, like 10K on each side of a, of a safety squat bar, that's gonna be, what, 120 pounds-ish, somewhere in there. And that might be the weight that you're using to work on the expansion. And then if you ramp the weight up and you're taking them more towards where they have to create more force output, you know you're gonna squeeze, right? So again, same concept. You, you, just have to, you just have to figure out what that threshold is that gets you the expanded representation and then that's where you would start. And then maybe you can build that up to where they actually maintain it under a higher force. Or a different bar. Correct. Yeah. So, so, so the, the, ultimately the goal is to, to be in the rack position without the, the, mm -hmm. without the hands being open. Right. Right. Or without like arching excessively or. Yeah. You don't want to see a bunch of compensations. You want to see somebody mm -hmm. that's actually got a useful representation of a rack position. Right. Right. So, so your strategy your thought process is, is, is useful. You just have to be really, really careful about, about how much force you're driving. Because again, you take somebody past a threshold and, and, you know, right away, you're, you're going to squeeze. They're going to compensate. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was just wondering about yeah. first, you know, you know, yeah, I'm aware of the threshold. I was wondering if the exercise itself, if the thinking of the placement and the pressure yeah. Um, yeah. Was, was accurate. Yeah, and then, you I think potentially, and then make sure you have like a test retest. So, so in this case, your your simple test is, let's rack a bar, let's see what it looks like, let's go over, let's do the safety squat bar um, activity, okay, hmm. to to promote the AP, and then let's go back to the rack position and see if we were successful. One thing I wonder about with that as well is that if you're doing, if you're creating that downward pressure, that could reinforce what wide ISAs experience, right? Because they're, they're the compressed slinky. So they're getting compressed and going laterally. So that that could also be interference for those. Correct. People, right? Absolutely. So it's just like, it's, it's, it's like anything else, right? There's a sweet spot where stuff is beneficial and then outside of that, it's not. So let's go all the way back to, to Ian's question at the beginning where we we're talking about, okay, where are you gonna drive the, the, the hand position for a chop? It's like, well, what, do you, what are you trying to achieve? It's like, if I wanna hang on to relative motion, I gotta put it in a specific place. I have to have the appropriate magnitude 
of, of force, right? Because high magnitude in the right place might still steal some relative motion. If I move it to the outside, I'm definitely giving up relative motions under those circumstances. So again, it's like take an exercise that might work in one situation with, with one set of constraints, take the exact same exercise by name. It's not the same exercise if you put more weight on the bar, right? And then that changes the response. And so um, I am totally cool with the experimentation under this circumstance because your, your reasoning is useful, mm -hmm. right? It's just a matter of the execution now and refining it. Narrows can go, the, the helical angle will be this way on the narrow. It's gonna be this way on the wide. Do you see that? Good morning, happy Tuesday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. A big thank you to everybody that participated in the IFES University uh, conference call yesterday. It was great, we had a great call. Um, if you're not a member of IFS University, go to ifsuniversity.com. Get yourself signed up so you can participate in these calls. They were great. Um, good group of people. Awesome questions. Um, digging into today's Q&A, um, this is with Ivan. Ivan's got a tough client, okay? Uh, when you think about uh, archetypes and the extremes, they can be very, very difficult to, to program. So he's got a, a narrow ISA individual, lots of anterior posterior compression, so not a lot of space to work in. So what we have is we have somebody that's on a more vertical helical angle, but in a compressed space. So we don't have a lot of um, expanded areas, and so we have to make sure that our exercise selection fits into that space initially, at least to keep them comfortable and capable. And so what we do is we deconstruct that space so you can actually see what this person has available to them. And then from there, we, we go step by step by step and we actually construct a little bit of a program. So again, be very useful for a lot of people that are struggling with, with trying to determine the best course of action, especially for some of these extremes um, that get represented, whether you're at the extreme wide end of the spectrum or extreme narrow end of the spectrum. So again, very useful. Uh, if you would like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everyone have an outstanding Tuesday, and I'll see you tomorrow. Ivan. Hello, Bill. Hello, Ivan. So first of all, I want to say I'm smiling because of your great jokes and... Um... Because my, my great mind, jokes. Yes. <laughs> you have a good sense of humor. <laughs> Thank you. I try. Yeah. Yeah. And because uh, my mind is exploding constantly while listening to these conversations. So, yeah. Basically, my question is uh, I've got a new client and she has fibromyalgia and trochanteric bursitis and calcinations on the hips and herniation in the neck and the lumbar spine. And basically she's just really compressed. And my, my um, I, I think she's a sway back, but I'm not completely sure because her measures were bigger than I expected. But when I looked at the videos of the measures in slow motion, I could see a lot of like compensatory motions uh, in the body, but still, uh, because if she's a sway back, right, um, I shouldn't really try to do much of pelvic tilts to, to increase that posterior lower compression, right? 
So you gotta I be was careful. thinking you gotta be very careful with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking more like right side lying and maybe first manual rolling. Yeah. So she basically just breathes and nothing else. But because my session is like one hour, like what else could I do? You know, basically to fill up the time. That that's my question. <laughs> okay <clears throat> well so if if you can so the the step number one is you got to create some space to work in right that's what you're trying to do with the rolling so you take a little bit of gravity away and you should be able to increase space right that would be the 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 favorable result. So you do the rolling and you expand the anterior posterior space on the sides and it slowly, she starts to create the turns, right? Okay. Yeah. And so, so we're, we're tying all of this in. So this is like an, this is like a, an Ian question and this is like a Misha question today, right? So Misha's representation is very, very similar in regards to where the spaces are that you have available to you. The problem is if she's a narrow ISA, you don't have like crazy wide space. You just have a smaller box anterior to posterior. So she's working inside of this space, right? So she's, she's within, the, within her pelvis and she's got a little bit of turn, right? So all of the, all of the, the stuff that would <clears throat> lighten her is available, okay? So anything where she's pulling something down should be useful, okay? Anything where she is reaching out to the side should be useful, okay? Um, but you can probably get her into supine asymmetrical. Okay. Okay. So she can do things like that. Um, teaching her like, uh, um, like some of the armbar stuff would be available to you. Right. So she can okay. start to turn, right. And create the anterior posterior expansion here she's going to get lower cervical spine to start to move which is probably going to be really really useful especially if she's got got the representation of the herniated disc there you got a lower cervical spine that's not turning if she's got a lumbar herniation she's got a lumbar spine that's not turning okay um the the stepping away from midline so i think you and misha should probably have a conversation right? Because you're going to structure a very similar representation. Misha's client's going to be able to take a bigger step away from midline. Your client's going to take a shorter step away from midline, but in the same directions. Because the, again, the spaces are in the same place. It's just a smaller representation side to side. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And yeah. I was wondering... Sorry. So why does why does the narrow I say has let have less space than the, than the wide? I would think it's the other way around. Okay. Because so, narrow so it's, are more their space their space started deeper front to back, not wider side to side. So hang on, hang on. Extreme representation. Narrow ISA, anterior, posterior, wide ISA, okay? The overlap between the two. So if I, comp if I compress the narrow, if I push back here and I push this forward, the space is gonna compress into the overlap. So it's gonna be in this box right here, 
Narrows can go, the, the helical angle will be this way on the narrow. It's gonna be this way on the wide. Do you see that? We're looking, we're looking top down. I'm standing above them, looking down on their feet, All right? So if I compress this anterior, so it goes back this way, and I compress posterior, it goes this way, they don't get wider. Their helical angle doesn't change. It's just the space gets compressed anterior and posterior, okay? This person's already compressed anterior, posterior, but they had a wider helical angle to begin with. So they can't go this way, but they can go that way, okay? So Ian's space is right there. Misha's space is right there, okay? Does that make sense? And again, it's an extreme representation for, for effect, but that's basically the, the shape that you have available. Does that help you, Ivan? Yeah, and I was also thinking if she's a sway back, uh, could I, after getting some relative motion back, could I try to do like, like some kind of a middle propulsive activity to get the eccentric orientation of the muscles below the level of the trochanter? Okay, so, let, so let's figure out a way to get there. How can we get there? while we're training? Well, with the various exercises like chopping for an example. Okay, maybe, maybe, but remember, again, let's go back to Ian's representation. So when we go to middle, you're gonna have to have a lot of bend in the hip, aren't you? Yeah. Okay, all right. What if I bend the hip too soon before she has access to that motion? What's well, the problem? Again, her spine is probably going to take there the you go so now you're going to get spinal compensatory strategy so where where can we start her in the in so we want to teach her how to lower center of gravity we want to teach her how to go through a late middle early representation right that would be our representation of like a toe touch would be our representation of a squat okay yeah. so so what activity can we select here that might start to teach her how to lower her center of gravity, keep her in a space that's comfortable for her, and then slowly introduce her to something that would be more representative of a middle. Um. <clears throat> Very simple, not complex. You mean standing up activities? Sure. Okay, well then also chopping, but not uh, but in early okay I, i'm with you there i i'm not disagreeing with that at all but let's let's do something else like i don't want to just do rolls and chops all day i got okay, an hour okay. to kill right okay so uh what maybe a, uh, the same as, as misha split squad that's uh okay but with her leg more to the awesome. side love that now it's going to be a shorter step but the yeah. angles are going to be or, uh, the angles will be similar okay what else um maybe a heels elevated goblet quad do you think that she's going to be able to access that space no okay so no. so let's let's <laughs> stick with the squat pattern okay okay what type of a squat do we want to give her to start to in introduce that space to her the way where we can control how far she's moving so it might be like an 
TRX squad? If I, I don't potentially, potentially, yes. yes. But let's let's give her a space where we can teach her how to yield. Yeah, I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I, I, I think Ian knows what I want to do, don't you? Come on, Ian, help me Box. out. Huh? Box squat. Box squat. Yeah. So, so you put her on a high box squat. Okay. okay. So you put her on a high box squat. She loads onto the box. That's going to get you a yielding action. You start okay. her in a high box squat above that middle representation because chances are the middle is going to be the hardest part for her to capture, isn't it? Right. Yeah. But you, you might be able to teach her how to yield in a high box squat. And then that's going to get you a, a better representation of early. So she's already an ER'd individual. We want to move her from a late ER'd representation to an early ER'd representation, which is just a rate dependent issue. So as I sit her down to the box and she unloads onto the box, she's going to yield. That's going to teach her how to capture that early representation that I need to get her all the way down to the bottom of the squat. You see it? Yeah. Okay. But I go ahead. I shouldn't do like uh, quick, right? I should let her sit and then wait like a second or two. So she yields fully and then stand back up again. There you go. Okay. There you go. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You got it. Okay. So we got to awesome. squat. We got to step. We got to step up. We got to lunge. We got to chop. We got to roll. We're killing yeah. this program. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You see, you see, you see what you got. You got an arm bar. Yeah. yeah. I, I think just because I'm quite new to the model, I'm still struggling a bit with finding uh, all of the activities because I'm really like doing a lot of theory work, but maybe like um, got to start doing all these different activities to. to right. So, so you just start to you just start to look at, at the space that's available to to exercise without the compensations. Right. Yeah. And then that's, that's where you start. That's how that's how you keep people comfortable first right? Then they get used to moving. And then as they start to move and you start to recapture motion. So, so just by sitting her down on the box with, with just give her like a, like a goblet representation and have her sitting back to the box and, and she's going to breathe as she does this, she's going to, you're going to teach her to unload and then stand back up. Right. Um, always make her successful, make it look pretty right first. Okay, but as she starts to move that way, she's going to start to recapture ranges of motion. As that expands, so does your exercise repertoire. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. That was really helpful. You're very yeah. welcome. Sir. Thank you. But this is why, you know, old cowboy movies and you see the guy walk in yeah. and, you know, he's got his high heeled boots on and his spurs and stuff. But he's, he's walking on the outsides of his feet and you, you can see the tunnel between his knees. Right. Yeah. Because the horse is still there. Yeah. Right. Or my Harley Davidson riders that, that come in. And yeah, they're, you the can, same, they're the same you way. You can right? send a pig, a pig uh, through their leg. Good morning, happy Wednesday. I have NeuroCoffee in hand and it is perfect. All right, today is Wednesday. That means that tomorrow is Thursday. That means tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Coffee and Coaches Conference call as usual. If you are not participating in these calls, what is taking you so long to get here? Because these are great calls, great people, great groups. 
obviously you're seeing uh, bits and pieces of these calls. These calls go about two hours. So you get about somewhere in the general vicinity, 30 to 40 minutes um, as we share these, these Q and A's during the day. So, so please join us for these calls. They are excellent. Um, like I said, great people bring some coffee, bring a question. We'll have a great time. Okay. Today's Q and A comes from Frederick and Frederick has a client with a spondylolisthesis. And so we talked strategy here, but let's talk about what spondylolisthesis is. So first of all, let's give you a little bit of a graphical representation there. So on the screen right now, hopefully if my technology is effective, you are now looking at what is represented as a spondylolisthesis. So this is the slippage of the vertebra um, forward on top of another and, and not a great situation. Um, many people are asymptomatic under these circumstances and they never know that this existed and in some cases it's going to cause or, or promote, I should say, a, a great deal of, of potential pain. Now, from a strategy standpoint, if we think about what this thing really is, what we have is this forward movement of the vertebra on top of another vertebra. That is actually an internal rotation strategy. Um, so typically what you're going to have is you're going to have some form of of a, a more extreme ER orientation. This is a compensatory strategy to produce the internal rotation. And therefore the spine is the location of the compensation. In this situation, what we're trying to do then is we're gonna to try to drive a, a, an early representation of propulsion. So this is gonna be the sacral base moving backwards on the ilium. Because if we were to drive, say, a late strategy where we're moving the ilium forward on the sacrum, remember that late is gonna be a very strong IR representation moving towards ER, where early is, a, is an ER where we have an early superimposition of, of internal rotation. If we can move the sacrum back, we have a chance to reduce the IR strategy in the spine. And so that's gonna be the strategy that we talk about here uh, with Frederick and we, and, we, and we talk through this. He's got another complicating situation um, that, that you'll see as we go through this that, that could produce some interference. So you always wanna take that into consideration as well. The activities that people select tend to not be the, the best ones. Uh, the things that they like to do can actually become a potential influence as to why they are symptomatic. So Frederick, thank you so much for this question. It's gonna help a lot of people because this is a, a fairly uh, common condition in the clinic. Um, and I think it's a very small percentage of the total population, but we see a, a fair amount of this in the clinic, especially with people that um, do what, what would be considered extension-based activities like gymnastics would be one that stands out in my mind. So again, thank you, Frederick. If you would like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so we don't delete it. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. I will see you tomorrow morning, Thursday, 6 a.m., Coffee and Coaches Conference Call. Have an outstanding day. Um, I have a question about uh, the spine, especially the uh, spondylolysis. Uh-huh. Um, because I have a client now, I've seen her yesterday for a um, uh, short amount of time, for 20 minutes. So I did some initial testing, uh, and it's actually the second um, patient uh, that I have in this age group. Okay. So the first one, I remember, it was like seven or eight years ago, and um, she ended up having surgery, okay. uh, like uh, fusion surgery in yes. her spine because the symptoms were always um, getting worse. And now this uh, young lady, she's 21 years old. Um, she also um, uh, got the recommendation to get surgery already. Okay. And um, so I was um, thinking a lot about how uh, the um, 
well, it's not an easy question, I think, but first of all, how the, um, uh, the um, spondylolisthesis uh, fits into the model, because I was having quite some um, uh, thoughts about that. And uh, second of all, um, how to um, find a good way to treat it because she has uh, have symptoms for quite a long time. And she's already like, I think 50% in the thought process of going to the surgery. Okay. Because um, she's having this uh, for a couple of years already and it's yeah. progressing, it's getting worse. And she was to, uh, I don't know, 10 therapists or so and nobody could actually help her. Right. Okay. So, so let's identify what representation of the spine you're actually looking at. Hmm. Right. So if the body of the vertebra, even if it was intact. Okay. So you, you've got the... You've got the pars defect that's allowing the body of the vertebra to slide forward, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. In that representation, what, what strategy are they using? Is it an ER strategy or an IR strategy that creates the spondylolisthesis? IR. Okay. So yeah. right away, you kind of know what she's doing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, is that, is that a normal representation of internal rotation superimposed on ER. What's happening in her spine? Yes, sir. No. Okay. So all that is, is a compensatory strategy to drive mm -hmm. internal rotation, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh. So step number one is we got to go find ER space. Okay. Now, if I was to use a late propulsive representation where I'm pushing the base of the sacrum forward, mm -hmm. would I enhance the IR representation of that spine or would I reduce it? Push it forward, the base? Yes, sir. Uh, enhance it? Yeah, so I gotta be really, really careful that I avoid a late yeah. representation of ER. Yeah. So your first goal then is you got to move her toward an early representation of external rotation. So this okay. is not just a spine problem. This yeah. is a system problem. Yeah, because she had uh, very limited measures in, in both hips. And I can only she, imagine. Like, Yeah, if, she's, if, she's biased towards wide and she can maybe touch her knees with her, um, with her fingers. When she's doing a toe touch, just like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, so you got some work here, young man. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. but the thing that, I, the thing that I want you to understand is, is that it is that you get her delay strategy. So this is an early representation um, solution everywhere. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to teach her, if you're going to put her on her side, she's a wide ISA, put her on her side start to teach her the early representations on her side. Okay. Okay. You got to drive the early in the thorax. You got to drive the early in the, the cervical spine and the cranium. You got to drive the early in the foot. You cannot just look at this as a low back issue. Yeah. Because chances are that's going to be the last place that you're going to get it because she's using a, she's literally created a bony position right? That has less control over it because there's, there's no longer an intact constraint. Mm -hmm. 
So you got to get her from the top down. You got to get her from the bottom up. And then the last thing that's going to move back is going to be the spine. Okay. 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 Yeah. So everything, everything has to be going towards early. If you do something that interferes with that, if you drive a middle propulsive strategy too soon, Mm -hmm. where is she going to compensate? She's going to go right to the spine. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. you go, so you go early, 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 early. And then the last thing is right where she's having the greatest degree of difficulty. Okay. Okay. Speaking of interference, yes, uh, I know I've had one case, uh, um, horse riding person. She's as well. So she's 21 years old. She's been horse riding for like a decade now. Yep. Um, the first thing I thought when I heard this, that's like a huge interference or could be a huge interference of progress for um, so, uh, solving this problem. Yes. Correct? So, so this person with the spondy has, is a horseback rider. Yeah. Oh, you got to take it away. Sorry. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I rarely take stuff away from people until you have to, but I can tell you with great, what kind does she, what does she do? Well, her parents have a, like a ranch type. I don't know how you would call but it. I mean, does in, she in, compete? No. Okay. okay. Daily, daily, she's sitting on a horse. Okay. Like, because it's her passion. You. Uh, yeah. I hate, I hate hearing that. Um, <laughs> okay. When you sit on a sad, if, if it's a Western saddle or if it's like one of the smaller, like, like a, uh, uh, like the equestrian style saddles where they're, they're up on it. Like they stand up in the stirrups and stuff like that they have to stand in a late representation or they're sitting in an extreme late representation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Especially with bigger horses. Mm-hmm. So, you th- so the only way yeah, that she's you a get- small part, small person as well. So she's <sighs> very big. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not an easy one. Yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not, it's not going to be easy. Uh, you're going to have to take it away because she's actually sitting in the position. So, so here you go. Think about this. Um, uh, the spondylolisthesis enhanced her ability to sit in a saddle. It allowed her. So, yeah. so, so sitting on a horse is an extreme ER orientation. Okay. It, um, mm-hmm. um, and, and it, I, I, I've been on a, a couple, three horses. I'm not good at it because I do not have, the position capability to actually sit on a horse comfortably. Mm. Okay. Um, but this is why, you know, old cowboy movies and you see the guy walk in yeah. and you know, he's got his high heeled boots on and his spurs and stuff, but he's, he's walking on the outsides of his feet and you, you can see the tunnel between his knees. Right. Yeah. Cause the horse is still there. Yeah. Right. Or my Harley Davidson riders that, that come in and yeah, you can, they're the same way. You can right? send a pig, a pig uh, through their legs. Right? <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly right. Exactly right. Um, yeah. So, so that representation right there is an extreme ER orientation. So when you, so when we talk about, so Ian's question about like lateral knee pain and things like that, um, that's what we're talking about. That's an extreme mm. ER orientation. Um, so. I worked with some competitive equestrians and some dressage people. And those are really big. Like the dressage is really big horses. Hmm. Um, and so they are really extreme. Um, and you'll see a lot of like, um, they get a lot of pubic pain hmm. um, because of the amount of, of, of pressure through the front of the pelvis. Um, you're going to see a posterior lower compressive strategy 
every time yeah. they're going to have it's pure ER orientation, which means that they need IR orientation somewhere else, which is going to be the orientation yeah. of the pelvis. It's going to take the spine yeah. forward. You got to go, you got to bring her from, from out here to in here. Yeah. And you can't do that with a horse between your knees. Yeah. You know? Okay. So, so yeah. you're going to have to take it away from her temporarily. Because, because here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. She'll have the surgery, okay? They're going to fuse it. And then she's going to try to ride horses again. Yeah. And now you're going to have an altered constraint where she doesn't have the adaptability to even get on the horse. She's creating a new one. Yep. Immediately, probably. So, so the conversation that you have is we need to take the horse away from you for a while. Mm because it's the only chance that we'll have to do this without surgery. And then maybe you can get back on the horse. Mm. If they fuse your spine, the maybe window is smaller because she won't have the adaptability, okay? okay. But like I said, you're gonna have to drive early, 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 early. You're gonna have to make mm. a knee orientation. You have to make a knee orientation change. You're going to have to make a foot orientation change. You got to make, again, you got to go boom, boom, boom. You got to get them all. You got to get them all. All right. Just because again, this is not a low back issue. Uh, it's a, not a low back problem. It's a low back result, yeah. right? It's like, I took all of my early strategies away to get on the horse. Yeah. Okay. You got to get them all back. Okay. All right. Good Thank luck. you. Good luck. Yeah, it's going to be a tough conversation, it, it, I think, because it, it, she's going to well, be heartbroken. But you know, but but nobody's having reality. that conversation with her. Yeah, you know, and and you want to be straight up. You want to let her know what she's up against. It's like it's like if you really like to ride horses, you know, it's like mm. the 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 surgery is a constraint change to take away mm. to try to take away the pain. It's not a solution to get her back on the horse. You want to give her a solution that's going to allow her to get back on the horse too, right? Yeah. 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 What happens? What happens when you try to stretch, stretch a concentrically oriented muscle? Good morning. Happy Thursday. I have NeuroCoffee in hand and it is perfect. Hi, Jordan. It keeps me humbled. Good morning, Bill and everyone. <laughs> um, so I have a kid who's, it's a cool example of like the um, um, extreme where he's uh, walks on his tippy toes, uh -huh. uh, but he only developed that. Like he's in fifth grade. I think he developed it like two years ago. <clears throat> and I'm having my ideas, like he's really pushed forward to my ideas to pull him back. Yes, but he has this like, like contracture and I'm trying, so I was, I was trying to use like a half a kneeling, a contracture where uh, at his ankle. Sorry. Like, he, like I've tried my CI has me like stretch him passively and we get him to 90, but like, um, he, I'm just going with, yeah. So I'm trying to capture some <laughs> relative motion, get some pronation. Uh huh. And, but I'm at a, trying to work with my CI. That's a whole different thing, but I'm trying to capture these position at the ankle. Yep. Um, but I'm at this wall where like, I physically can't get him 
past 90. Yeah. Um, have, you noticed, have you noticed that he can't turn his head all the way in one direction? He walks like, uh, I guess I've not noticed that. He walks like very like hands in his pockets. Like, okay. Why do you put your hands in your pockets when you walk? To not turn. Go ahead, Grace. Say it, Grace. Say it, Grace. Go. Get more IR or force. Yeah. There you go. So he's walking in, in late propulsion. He doesn't have any IR. So he jams his hands into his pockets and it creates the downforce. That's why internal rotation is a downforce. Get it? Okay. He looks down at the ground when he walks too. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why does he look down at the ground? So he can push into the ground, right? Okay. So he is, he is, he's probably like an end game representation. So you got posterior lower stuff. Okay. But he can't turn his head. Do okay. You Do you yeah. Understand? Okay. So, all right. What happens? What happens when you try to stretch, stretch a concentrically oriented muscle? What happens? It doesn't lengthen. You're inflicting pain unnecessarily. Or you're lifting a very, very heavy weight, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, doing a, I'm, doing, I'm at the bottom of the bench press, right? I'm at the bottom of the standing calf raise, right? You're, trying, you're stretching a muscle that does not want to, to eccentrically orient, right? So now you got to start thinking. It's like, okay, you stretch and stretch and stretch and stretch and nothing good happens from this. Stop, right? That's not the solution. It's never going to be the solution because it doesn't work period. You could stretch him for six minutes straight. You know what's going to happen? Nothing. Other than the fact he's not going to like you very much. Okay. So you got to start thinking strategy here. Okay. So if I have somebody that, that is in an ER representation in the ankle and the foot, I need an IR representation there. Okay. And if you're, if you can't manually achieve that, then you got to start thinking up, right? All right. Getting his head to turn is going to start to reduce the concentric orientation. You're gonna create a wave that starts at his head and it's gonna to move towards his feet, okay? Mm -hmm. The rolling activities that we always talk about are gonna come in really handy here, but you're gonna to have to teach him how to do that and then that, you understand? Is someone who will probably try and like do like the little like turn and like whip themselves over Probably like you kind of have to like help him out a little bit at first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he doesn't have a middle. He doesn't have a middle. Right. Yeah. And you tried and you tried to force him there and he said, uh-uh. Yeah. Okay. So um, he's standing on the edge of the cliff. You're pushing him from behind. His heels are coming off the ground and he's fighting you every step of the way. There is no way. That, that you're going to get his heels to drop until you stop pushing him forward. Right. Okay. But I think where you're going to have to go is up there. Okay. Think of all the strategies that he's showing you just walking in the door. Got my hands in my pockets. I'm staring at the ground. Everybody says, oh, he's so quiet and introverted. Right. Yeah. You know yep. why? You know why? Do you know why? Because if he looks up, 
he'll fall. He's uncomfortable because he can't control space. He has to stay focused. So he has to close the world in, look down, put his hands in his pockets, grit his teeth, and make sure that he's getting enough down to her so he doesn't fall. Okay. Wow. Wow. Because yeah. <laughs> that, that's exactly how he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's take gravity out of the equation. Okay. Take gravity out of the equation. Put him, put him in positions that start to move him closer to middle gradually. Turn him gradually. Start at the top and get him to turn and roll this way and get him to turn and roll this way and then have him start to reach across, but hold his head still so he understands what the turns mean, okay? Pronation, internal rotation in the foot is a turn. It's not jamming him into a straight plane, right? Yeah. Create the turns. You understand? Yep. Uh, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Now I yep. just got to, I just got to figure out how I'm going to. But hang on. Where are you treating him? Like where in this, in the space of the, it's an outpatient clinic, right? Yeah. Where are you treating him? Out in the gym? No, on the table, really uh, on the table. Is, the, is it a big space or a little space? A tiny space. Curtained off? Basically, wall. it might as well be. Okay. You got to keep him in a small space. Okay. He doesn't like big spaces. You need a smaller space. He can manage small space. You understand? Oh, that matters. Yeah. That matters. Okay. Mm -hmm. Light matters. All that stuff. Right. He's uncomfortable. Right. Don't make him more so. If you want to reduce the, he's got muscle activity out the wazoo that's telling you he's uncomfortable. Like he stands up, he's uncomfortable. Okay. Chances are he's going to grow up to be a great stand up comedian or maybe a rock singer, but you got to get him internal rotation first because you can't hold on to the microphone um, as a strategy long term. Right. He's in here. Right. <laughs> If he becomes famous one day, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, but think, think about it. It's like, it's like his, all his, all his behaviors point to the fact that, that, that he is trying to put force into the ground. Yeah. That makes, that makes a ton of sense. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Does Thank you. Wear glasses? Was... Did you wear glasses? No, but it, I was going to say he's growing out his hair like this, like down to here. Sweet. His mom's. His mom's been like, you got to cut your hair. And I was like, you should cut your hair. But now I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't be saying that. Does he, does he do the thing? Yeah, always. The head shake. Love the head shake. I used to love my long hair. The head shake was awesome because you could feel it. Oh, miss that. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. I really appreciate that. You're welcome, sir. It's not kind of separated. It is different. Okay. Like it is, it, they are not the same. Good morning, happy Friday. I have the extra large neuro coffee in hand and it is perfect. Had to go extra large today. I'm, I, I'm actually about ready to talk to Dr. Mike Russell, the creator of neuro coffee. Gotta be ready, gotta make sure I get enough dose 
of the BDNF in me for that call. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, digging in today's Q&A, um, this is with Ivan. Ivan asks a great question. Ivan's great because he comes in and he ties things in with the foundational elements of the model. And so uh, we talked about how the pelvis behaves a little bit, and then we got into the connective tissue behavior versus muscle behavior. So this is concentric to eccentric orientation versus um, the overcoming and yielding actions of the connective tissue. They are not the same and they are separate. And I know it's a point of confusion for a lot of people because we've never really looked at connective tissues to this extent. Connective tissue behavior is where the money is. And if we can get it to behave correctly, um, we can apply the, the Austin Ulrich principle of connective tissue tuning effectively. Um, we are much more successful when we can understand these things. So this will be a great question for a lot of people. If you'd like to participate in a 15 minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com, and put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so we don't delete it. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Don't forget, go to the YouTube channel if you have foundational questions. All of the videos eventually end up up there, so please go there, subscribe, and we will have an outstanding weekend. If you're in the two-week sprint, this is the recovery weekend, so a lot of reflection going on this weekend. You guys do the same. Have a great weekend. I'll see you next week. Uh so this relates to my first question. Okay. And I just wanted to ask, so if the narrow is falling forward and he has an inhaled skeleton um, and you were looking from top down and you drew like, a, let's say, a frontal plane line through the body and then you looked at the thoracic outlet and... A what? Just like a line to have the body in the... Okay, I like that better. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry about that. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. I understand. <laughs> okay. Um, so, would you say that the, the the because the posterior side is is like a parachute, basically, on an arrow? Yeah. Would you say that the I'm I'm confused. Oh, I understand. No, I, I you're you're making a reference to something that I said a long time ago. I got it. I'm with you. Okay. So now I'm confused because I know that that um, the narrow has a, an, an, let's say, a pelvic outlet that's eccentrically oriented. But right. I guess my mistake is because I was thinking the same way as Ian. And if you do that line, like to have the pelvis into anterior and posterior, both sides of, of that line are eccentric. Am I right here or wrong? It depends on it depends on where you're looking in re, in regards to that description. So if I if I uh, counter new tech, okay, right, that's going to go in that direction right there, correct? Okay, concentric yeah. concentric orientation here, okay? Yeah. Okay. Eccentric orientation here. Okay. Okay. But expand. Hang on, hang on. Sorry, it's okay. Expansion there. Okay. Okay. So the expansion is is so if you think about like the if this would be representative of like an ISA, this would be moving forward in that direction, right? Yeah. So that's why it's that's why it goes forward. So I got like a little scoop there. And I got expansion that way. See? Yeah. Push this in. This gets pushed forward. Okay.
but the part where you're holding the sacrum. Yes. How would you call that? Because the pernutation. Yeah, but would you say that posterior pelvic outlet? Is that a correct term? See where my fingers are? Yeah. Posterior outlet. Okay. See the space? Anterior yeah. outlet. Okay. Posterior outlet, anterior outlet. Okay. Okay. So the posterior concentric, anterior eccentric. So then when you look at the diaphragm as well, it's the same in the thorax or not the same? Uh, so they're using a compensatory exhalation. So it is eccentrically oriented. Okay. But could you say that the anterior part of the diaphragm is then more uh, descended or ascended? It, it, okay. So again, you, you have to understand you're using a concentric representation, right? Or I'm sorry, eccentric representation yeah. in, in the thoracic diaphragm. Yeah. Posteriorly, okay, um, eccentric overcoming. Okay, anteriorly eccentric yielding. yielding. Okay. Yeah. Get it? Yeah. Okay. So then I would like to touch on the connective tissue behavior just a bit. Okay, we um, just did. Okay, a bit more. <laughs> 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 so the thing that's kind of confusing me, and this is, I know this is a broad question, but I'm having a, a tough time differentiating connective tissue behavior and muscle orientation like i'm always trying to trying to pair these two and i know that they can be kind of separated if that makes sense it's not kind of separated it is different okay. like it is they are not the same they're not the same exactly yeah um so connective tissue provides a rate dependent behavior. That's the easiest way to see it, okay? When you're moving quickly, like really high velocity, throwing a ball, kicking a ball, sprinting, okay? Muscles can't change shape fast enough for you to move that quickly. However, I can store and release a lot of energy in connective tissues, and that moves a heck of a lot faster than any muscle can. Okay. Muscles have gotten too much credit for what we do when it's actually connective tissue behaviors that produce a lot of this. So it's like, <clears throat> if you look at EMG, Grace, EMG, EMG, they, they get wild and crazy about EMG, about what muscles do. And, and they say that, oh, such and such a muscle is quiet when you're doing some sort of activity, but yet, yet the connective tissue that's associated with that is moving because it has to, because that's how we, that's how we do stuff, right? Um, and then obviously different recruitment of motor units. So you have rate coding and you have synchronization and you have intramuscular coordination and, and intermuscular coordination and all those things that are factors in how the muscles behave, but they're driving, they're driving the tuning, Austin Ulrich, full credit, 
um, they're driving the tuning of the connective tissues to get the connective tissues to move either quickly or more stiffly, depending on the activity in question, okay? When a joint changes its position, when a joint changes its position, the muscles have to change their orientation, okay? Because if I have a concentrically oriented muscle, there's no pressure. I can't change the pressure in that area. Therefore, there would be no movement. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we're, yeah. So we're back to Jordan's. We're back to Jordan's question about trying to get dorsiflexion on this kid. It's like, okay, you can yank and pull on that, on that ankle all day long. That muscle that he's trying to influence does not want to change shape for a reason. And it's going to go, nope, not changing. Yank and pull all day long. It'll never change. Okay. Because it so so again, I can't change the expansion in that in that area. That's muscle behavior. Yeah, it also influences how much tension there would be in the connective tissues under that circumstance. So from a rate standpoint, um, that muscle is on right away, high rate stiff tissues too. Okay. All right. If if that kid was doing a box jump. He jumps off the box, he lands on the ground, muscle still concentrically oriented, but because there's more time to load the connective tissues, those connective tissues will elongate. Yield. That's a yield. So that's a change in the, the actual storage and release of energy in the connective tissues, which is a length change in the connective tissues. But the, the, but the muscle orientation is exactly the same. It's, but it's still concentrically oriented under that circumstance. Because if it eccentrically oriented, my ankle would move more and I would reduce the tension on the connective tissues. I would distribute that force and it would dampen and it would land softly. Do you see the difference in the behavior of the muscle versus the connective tissues? Yeah. Yeah. Do so, you, uh, so, so connect, sorry, connective tissues are, are, are rate producers, right? By their stiffness or their, their yielding capabilities, right? So the overcoming is a stiffer representation and the yielding is the, is the, uh, the giving way, the storage in, of energy. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And this Do is happening maybe... all the time. Okay. All the time. 